The following podcast is a mass media production. Hi, I'm Josh Galindo. And I'm Crystal Galindo. Welcome to the Going Galindo Rugrats and Renovations podcast. A lifestyle podcast where we will offer our experience and expertise in building real, lasting wealth through renovating and flipping homes. And the chaos that comes with balancing a family of six, leaving nothing unsaid. Follow our wild ride we call life and apply our lessons to your own journey. Good morning, baby. How are you? I am great. Good. So today we're going to cover a really exciting topic. Mm-hmm. Cash flow. Mm-hmm. Why is cash flow value? Maybe Why there's is... lots of reasons. I don't know how you're going to sum it up in one episode, but... <laughs> well said. I'm going to do my best. <laughs> so we're going to talk about the difference between covering your bills uh-huh. and living in abundance and with financial freedom. Yes. Okay. We're going to go over that. We're going to talk about how not to put yourself in a position to have negative cash flow on your property. Right. We are going to talk about how to increase the cash flow right. on your property and a whole bunch of other cool things. Yeah. All about cash flow, baby. Cash flow, cash flow, cash flow. Cash, cash is flow, king. <laughs> cash flow okay. is king. All right. Let's get started. Okay. Hey guys, I want to take a second to shout out one of our sponsors, The House of Vegas. I've used quite a few home staging companies and they are by far the easiest ones to work with. There's no drama, they won't nickel and dime you, and in my experience, they act quickly with little notice. Staging your listings makes a huge difference. Thomas at The House of Vegas can help you out. Call him at 310-503-3611. You know, there's many ways to make money. You can make money by buying into a cash flowing asset, which means that you buy an asset and it spits off cash flow. It has a, a, a monthly return, a quarterly return, but it's constantly spitting off new money. That would be a cash flowing asset. Or you can make money by buying an asset that appreciates in value and then you sell it and you capture the appreciation component. You know, you pay, put, put back in your pocket what you paid for it and then you put the appreciation in your other pocket. That is another way to grow wealth. Um, which one do I like? I personally prefer cash flow. Um, I think cash flow is king. And why is it king? Maybe there's something to it that movement of anything is good. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody likes stagnant water. Right. It dies, it rots, it turns into muck. You know, but moving water is beautiful and abundant. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe the same thing applies with cash flow. As long as money is moving in and out and it's constantly circulating and you're getting new money, fresh money, um, there's value in that. But the main thing that cash flow does for us personally is it pays for my lifestyle. As long as my lifestyle is paid for, there should be very, very little stress in the pay my bills department. Right. And I think as soon as that stress creeps in about how to pay my bills, then I don't perform as well as I think I could. So for me, it was how quickly can I get to a space where I never have to worry about my bills again? Right, but that doesn't mean you work less. No, I don't work any less. If anything, I become more productive. Right. I become more efficient. I become better at what I do because the storage that was being eaten up with the fear, worry, and concern of paying my bills is now gone, and that space has been filled with how to be better at what I do. That's why I love cash flow. Yeah. 
Can you elaborate on the cash flow? You said it's to cover your bills, right? But some people might take that as I'm not going to work anymore. It covers my bills. Well, the thing is, 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 is think about it like this. If, if I generate enough cash flow to simply just pay my bills, technically what I'm signing myself up for is living paycheck to paycheck. Right. So if anything catastrophic in my life were to happen, market corrections, um, health issues, mm-hmm. um, anything big, then I'm literally living paycheck to paycheck. I would have no, I wouldn't be able to save anything. Okay. So that statement of making enough money to pay my bills isn't really financial freedom. Right. Financial freedom is making enough money to pay my bills plus blow $20,000 a month, $30,000 a month, $40,000 a month with complete freedom on anything I want and, and or blow 20000 and save 20000 So mm-hmm. now I know every year I'm saving 240000 as a nest egg, you know. So pay all of my bills plus save save twenty plus blow twenty. To me, that's financial freedom. That's true financial freedom. Making enough just to pay my bills doesn't doesn't do anything other than eliminate the fear of having to wake up and go. I have to make enough money today to pay my mortgage, my car payment, my kids' tuition, my wife's you know spending, um, and my family's you know needs. That is a taxing thing to have to think about every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So to get to my financial freedom, my first task was getting rid of those, was getting rid of the energy needed to um, overcome those, those thoughts. If you're looking for some family fun, I know I always am. Check out Circus Circus Hotel and Casino. At Circus Circus, there's something for everyone. Have a blast inside the Adventure Dome, a five-acre indoor theme park with 30 rides, including their newest rides, Twist and Teacups, Circus Swings, and Little Sprinter Raceway. Or act like a kid again at the Midway, playing arcade games or enjoying their free daily circus acts. Looking for a special date night? Look no further than their award-winning restaurant called The Steakhouse. Voted Best Steakhouse in Las Vegas. Circus Circus offers affordable room rates starting at $29 per night. Book your stay today at CircusCircus.com. So how do you increase cash flow? Some investors will buy a $100,000 property. And for them to meet their investment goals, they only need to bring in 1000 bucks a month. Okay. Okay. So that generates a 10% return. Mm-hmm. Okay. But if the market goes up and now it's worth 200000 to them, they go, it may not make any sense for me to raise my rent aggressively to meet today's market prices because I don't want to lose my tenant. Right. And I'm only into this thing for hundred grand, So I'm happy making $1,000 a month. I might raise it to $1,100 a month. But then I come over here and I say to myself, okay, if I can buy that property for $150 and it's worth $200 and I know that it'll rent for $1,400 a month, then I can go in, entice that investor to sell it because they make fifty grand, mm-hmm. and then I have to go and get the rents up right. to justify my purchase price and meet my financial goals that I've now set in place. So I buy the property, $150, knock on the tenant's door, I go, listen... Rents in the neighborhood are going for $1,600 a month. Right. You're paying $1,100. I don't want to break your bank because you're comfortable and happy living here. Right. You don't want to move. You don't want to move. And you I don't, don't want, want you to move. move. Yeah. yeah. I want you to stay here. So here's what we'll do is we'll meet in the middle. I'd like, I'd like to increase your rent to $1,400. And if you don't like that, here's, you know, here's the competing properties in the neighborhood that you're welcome to go move into. And those ones are $1,600. So if anything, you can't duplicate the deal that I'm giving you right now of $1,400 a month. So 
take it or leave it. And obviously Uh there's a level of finesse in that whole game. Um, But now my financial goals are being met by, um, by increasing the rents. Right. Okay. Now the next thing is, is that life always gets more expensive. Yes. Right. Right. So every year you have to, every time a, a, a lease is up on one of the properties, I've got to go back through and analyze our rents. Have they gone up? Have they stayed the same or have they gone down? Mm-hmm. You know, and if they've gone up, I have to have that conversation again. Right. I call the tenant. I say, here's what you can move into. I'd like to make this a win-win. We need to increase your rent. And most of the time they're okay with it mm-hmm. because most jobs adjust for cost of living increases. Right. You know, it's just a part of the pay schedule. So hopefully they're getting a raise at their job and that will help pay for their the, rent increase. Their increased cost of living. Um, but so yeah, you've got to constantly watch all of your properties and make sure that Rents are staying very close to market value. I was going to say, I don't think you do very many at market value. Most of them are below market value because you want to keep the tenant. Yeah, I think that, and that brings up a really great point. I think there's more value in keeping your tenant in place and Mm -hmm. happy and consistently paying slightly below market than there is in knocking on the door and saying your rent's going up $400 a month. Right. And then them going... I can't afford that, and right. I'm leaving. Now, here's why that works: is I was chasing four hundred more dollars a month. Right. Four hundred dollars a month times twelve. Mm-hmm. That's forty-eight hundred dollars a year. Yep. The second that tenant leaves. Yep. You lose a month. I lose a month. So there's there goes whatever they were paying. Call it a yep. thousand or twelve hundred. Repairs. Eleven hundred. Mm-hmm. We'll call a thousand for the scenario. So we lose a month for a thousand. Okay. I got to carpet the place. Right. Okay. You know that's. 1800 right. call it two grand. So now I'm at three. And then I got to paint it. That's mm-hmm. another two. So I've gone backwards $1,000. It cost me five grand to turn that unit over. Right. And I was chasing 4800 Right. I'd rather just. It takes you a whole year to catch up. Yeah, it takes me a whole year and some time to catch up. Right. And that's assuming that that tenant stays. What right. if that tenant moves out? Right. You know, if you have a good tenant, I would do everything. You can to keep them mm-hmm. because that turnover is so expensive. Right. It's so expensive. So keep your turnover low and your profits high. Yeah. The only way that I can think of that you would go negative cash flow is if you've over leveraged the property. I was going to say, I don't even know what is negative cash flow. What does that mean? It's does that great, mean you spent money basically? Negative cash flow means that you're writing a check to own the property. Okay. It's negatively cash flowing. Okay. So all of your bills to own the property between the mortgage, the property taxes, the insurance, the HOA, the trash, the sewer, the property management, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All of that exceeds what the property is bringing in. So a loss. It's a loss. Okay. Negative cash flow. Yeah, it's a loss. Okay. I was like, because it sounds like an oxymoron, negative but cash, cash flow. flow. Like, right. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, uh, that was good. Um, so negative cash flow is when the property simply isn't producing enough cash flow to cover its own expenses. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that can happen. How does that happen? That happens by over leveraging the property, which is my big beef with Burr. Mm-hmm. Burr's intent is to com- be completely out of the property. Right. Have no money left in it. If you have no money left in it, it probably means that the loan is all the way up to what it's worth. So now if there's any blip in that radar Mm -hmm. at all, 
you could end up going negative cash flow. So we had a real estate. We had an agent in the office come yeah. to us and, and say, I would like to buy my first rental, uh, property. rental property. And we were like, well, of course, we'd love to help you. And we coincidentally had a great piece of property that I wish I would have kept because now it's up $75,000 <laughs> from what I sold it for. Um, but uh, we were like, buy this one. So this is where a lack of experience comes into play. Yeah. So he analyzes this deal. And in his mind, he's like, I'm going to do what everybody says to do on Instagram, TikTok, and social media. I'm going to put as little money down as possible. Yeah. Okay. So he he signs up for a 10% down loan. Okay. Okay. The 10% down loan made his payment so big because now he has private mortgage insurance. Right. He's borrowed more than a bank would be comfortable lending on the property. So now the interest rate's higher. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, and then he simply borrowed more, right. more money borrowed, which equates to a higher payment. Right. So now the payment is astronomical. It's like fifteen fifty a month. Okay. And the max rent on the place gross is sixteen hundred. That's a perfect example of negative cash flow. Right. I bet there's people out there that don't realize that they are negatively cash flowing on their properties. If they sat down and really did all of the math on every single expense, you know, some of these guys. Are making seventy dollars a month on a rental property, net. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, what happens if one water heater goes out? Right. And it's a thousand dollars. Yeah. You've literally wiped out the whole year's worth of net income. Well, and a thousand's a deal. <laughs> and a thousand's a deal. You've wiped out the whole year's net income. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Now, now it's going to take you another another year and a half to make up for that. So that's. And, and the thing is, that can work when you've got three or four. If you're duplicating this, you're not paying attention to your numbers, you can wake up one day and go, holy shit, my investment portfolio is losing money. Mm-hmm. I remember when, when our old bookkeeper came to me and goes, Josh, you've spent $65,000 on repairs this year. Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh, yeah, you know, we only brought in 200 or whatever. Right. These were the right. early days. But I was like, I got to either get rents up. Or I got to figure out how to manage these tenants' expectations around repairs. Right. Or I got to fix my turnover problem. Right. Because then that, then that amount of money was, was fixing was up fixing when people up. leave. Yeah. yeah. And turning them over. So I was like, okay, I'm, I, I failed a little bit. Uh, instead of crying over the failure, I'm going to embrace the lessons surrounding it. And I'm going to make it better. I'm going to mm-hmm. fix them. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. And now we've got, you know, checks and balances in place. It goes back to your... Um, appliance uh, clause in the lease, yeah. you know? Okay, guys, I'm going to take a second to talk about one of our sponsors, Desert Radiology. I know from personal experience how important early detection really is. That's why I recommend Desert Radiology. They have been serving the community for over 55 years and have convenient locations all across the valley. Not only are they a trusted radiology partner of 12 area hospitals, but they are the official imaging partner for all of the Las Vegas sports teams, like the Vegas Golden Knights, the Las Vegas Aces, Lights, Aviators, UNLV, and the Henderson Silver Knights. To learn more, visit their website at www.desertrad.com or make an appointment at 702-759-8600. So... To summarize this segment, how do you avoid negative cash flow? Be very, very, very careful about how much you leverage. Focus on turnover Mm -hmm. and reducing that. And put in checks and balances in your lease 
so that the tenants can't abuse a repair clause. Right. What everybody has to remember, and I'm going to get all kinds of hate for this. Yeah. Is that the tenant's the one that is using the property. Mm-hmm. They're the one that is implementing the wear and tear on the property mm-hmm. and all of the things inside of it. Mm-hmm. So if things are breaking on their watch, it's because they're probably not being very careful. Is it kind of like when you're leasing a car and you have to change the brakes or do an oil change or exactly. replace the air filter? Yes. Beautifully put. When you <laughs> lease a car, you don't get to go drop it off and say, hey, fill it up. <laughs> right? Right. No, like literally the, the lease payment covers your use of, of the, car. the vehicle. Yeah. Everything outside of that, the maintenance, all of that has to be done by you. Mm-hmm. Same thing with rental properties. So those are the things that you want to do to reduce. You want to reduce those things to keep your cash flow high and keep you from going negative cash flow. That was good. Thanks, boo. Good job. All right. That'll wrap that one up. Yes. I hope that was a value, guys. All right, guys. That's going to do it for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, subscribe, and share our podcast. You can also connect with us on social media or at galindogrouprealestate.com. Until next time, thanks again for listening.